I give a response to the people that think that I'm selling out by saying Brian Koberger needs to explain how his DNA got there. We're going to discuss Suzanne Morphew's case, how the remains change the whole investigation. The Delphi murder suspects attorneys want a deadline to turn over all of the evidence they say prosecutors are withholding. And the defense attorneys say that the prosecution has reopened their investigation into the Delphi murders. Jury selection begins in the Sam Bankman Freed trial, which is the alleged biggest fraud in history. Charlotte Senna is home safe, a Tupac update. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. And remember to hit that little bell for notifications of when we go live or put up new content. Before we get to the docket, let's talk about what we talked about yesterday. Brian Koberger received a lot of comments. People were saying, Scott, have you sold out? Are you even a defense attorney? not supporting Brian Koberger. Listen, nobody wants Brian Koberger's trial to go to trial more than me. We'll cover it. We'll have to, a ton of information to talk about for the next several years. But I told you why I don't think the case will actually go to trial. I may be wrong. I don't know. A lot of people are like, well, they planted the evidence on Brian Koberger. Okay. And like I've said before, it only matters what you can prove. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what you can prove in a court of law. And yes, the defense never has to do anything. The defendant never has to prove himself innocent. I get that. I have won more cases where we don't put anyone on the stand. We don't present any defense other than a general denial, which is prove it, because at that point, the jurors look at all of the evidence. But if you are going to suggest that the evidence was somehow planted by the police to get Brian Koberger, explain how they had his DNA before he was arrested. And if it was after he was arrested, be a little more likely. What is the motive? Is it he's just the easiest guy? They had a bunch of pressure. So let's pin it on this guy. I just don't think most people in law enforcement work that way. Yes, are there cases where people have pled guilty or been convicted where the police beat them with a rubber hose or lied. Yes, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but show me the evidence where it took place in this particular case. Now, also, I've done cold cases. I've done lots of cases with DNA over the years. I've talked to lots of jurors afterwards, and everything the jurors have told me is, hey, man, DNA, people on the jury believe DNA, it's reliable, and you must be able to explain how it got there. Obviously, if it was a sexual assault case and you said, I've never met this woman in my life, the jury's going to want to know, well, how did that DNA get where it shouldn't be? Or if you say, of course, my DNA is supposed to be there. It was a completely consensual act that the defendant and the victim engaged in. You can explain why it's there. Then it becomes that question of fact. But here we have Brian Koberger's DNA on a sheath underneath the victims at the crime scene. Some people suggested, well, it's obviously the Uber Eats driver that delivered to that house at or about the same time or just before they believe that all four of those college students were killed. Well, I would say, don't you think that the 
police have looked at all of the data, the video, the GPS, the cell phone tower data to clear that young man. And if he was the one that did it, why wouldn't they prosecute him? Why go after Koberger? I'm just trying to use, yes, I get it. And if he, Brian Koberger came to me, I would do everything in my power to zealously represent him. But as a defense attorney, you have to be a realist. You have to be able to show why my client's DNA was there. Even though you don't have the burden to do that, if you're going to suggest somebody put it there, you better have some proof to back it up. What evidence, what witness are you going to call? What evidence are you going to present to show that the police planted it? I throw that out there to you. All the people that disagree with me, give Brian Koberger's day in court. I'm just telling you, show me the evidence, not your hunch, not your theory. Show me what evidence there is. Show me what witness you're going to call to say they're the ones that planted it. That's all. Tell me. If you think I'm wrong, I got real thick skin. Leave me a comment below. All right, now let's get to the docket. First on the docket, Suzanne Morphew. Yes, the remains of Suzanne Morphew have been found. Barry Morphew was originally charged. The husband, you know, Suzanne Morphew goes on a bike ride back on Mother's Day in 2020, supposedly uh, rides her bike down the ravine, and her body is found some three years later uh, in a different county. And the question is, where do we go from here? Well, the first thing that the investigators should do in this particular case is treat it as a cold case. See what evidence, if there's going to be any DNA evidence there on the body, the um, obviously the manner of death will be significant to see whether there is enough to charge somebody in this case. Is it going to be Barry Morphew? I don't know. We'll obviously give him the presumption of innocence as anyone would. We know there was DNA found in the vehicle that matched to a sex offender. But the question is, what happened on that fateful day back May of 2020 on Mother's Day? Did Suzanne Morphew go for a bike ride, fall down that ravine, and somehow wind up in the shallow grave 50 miles away? Pretty unlikely. So the question is going to be, more than likely, where did she die? And by the hands of whomever did it. Go back, investigators. Treat this as a cold case. Don't charge anyone until you believe you have a lock solid case against somebody in this particular case. Let's not embarrass yourself like you did the last time where you dismiss the case. The prosecutors dismissed the case against Barry Morphew because there was so much evidence that hadn't been turned over. It was discovery violations. The judge was basically saying, we weren't going to allow you to use any of the evidence because you didn't turn it over in time. So do it right. Don't embarrass yourself. The family has a right to know what happened. We'll have to wait and see. Next on the docket, let's talk about the Delphi murder suspect. Well, the attorneys for Richard Allen, the suspect, the defendant in the Delphi murder cases, well, they're asking, as you may recall, we did talk about their extensive brief as it relates to an alternate suspect that all of these uh, crimes were committed against uh, Abby Williams and Libby German uh, by some sort of Nordic religious cult. Well, the prosecutors apparently, according to the defense, haven't been turning over all of the evidence that they believe that is in existence. And the defense believes that the prosecutors are slow walking the discovery in this particular case. The prosecutors um, are being asked or they're, I guess I should say more accurately, the defense attorneys are asking that the judge 
give the prosecutors until November 1st to turn over whatever the evidence they have uh, so that they can properly uh, prepare for this case. Now, the other uh, thing that is interesting is that the defense attorneys have stated that the Indiana State Police have now reopened their investigation. Could it be because of the motion that was filed by the defense? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, like I said, the motion uh, that was filed by the defense said that Abby Williams and Libby German were killed in a ritualistic sacrifice. Now, we went through, I think, the first 36 pages last Tuesday night on our live show. There's 136 pages total in there where the defense outlines their theory of this alternate suspect or suspects, basically saying no one could have possibly done this crime in the time allowed being just one person, one individual. So we will have to wait and see where that heads next. Next on the docket, Sam Bankman-Fried. Yes, his trial is starting. Jury selection is beginning in the alleged biggest fraud in history after it is alleged that uh, FTX customers were defrauded out of a paltry $8 billion and he is looking at spending 110 years in prison. So uh, beginning in a Manhattan courtroom on the accusations of embezzlement from FTX customers, like I said, jury selection is beginning and we'll see uh, the 12 people who will decide Sam Bankman-Fried's fate. Was it all his associates, perhaps his ex-girlfriend and former top lieutenant, Caroline Ellison, who's the prosecution star witness? Was it all her fault or was he really in control of everything? As you remember, she has pled guilty uh, to at least 10 counts and is obviously going to go to prison, but not as long as the government wants to send Sam Bankman freed uh, to prison. Now, this trial is expected to last up to six weeks. And interesting here is that obviously Sam Bankman freed had his bond revoked, which is one of the highest unsecured bonds in the history of criminal law, at least in the United States. He had his bond revoked because, well, he was accessing the Internet when he shouldn't have been. He was also trying to influence the trial by sending uh, memoirs of his uh, former uh, top lieutenant and girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, to the newspaper, basically trying to embarrass her, I think, in the hopes that she was not going to somehow testify. Of course, she's going to testify. She cut a deal with the government. She doesn't. All the original charges and all sentencing concessions are off. We'll see how this goes. Obviously, a lot of um, prosecutors uh, in this particular case, the defense has said, hey, there's no way that we're actually going to be able to be ready given all of the discovery in this case, and Sam Bankman-Fried wanted to review it all, no way he was able to do that in custody, but the judge is making them go. You know, is there going to be some last minute uh, motion to continue? Uh, not as of yet. So let the games begin. Literally about a year is when he was arrested down there in the Bahamas and brought back to the United States. So we'll see where things go from here. Next on the docket, Charlotte Senna is home. That's right. Her parents are obviously quite pleased to have her home again because Charlotte, a mere nine years old, was snatched from a state park on Saturday night sometime between uh, 6.15 and 6.30 p.m. She was found in a trailer of this guy, Craig Ross. That's where he was living. And he had left his DNA on a ransom note that he delivered to Charlotte's parents on Monday morning. Well, now he's in custody for first-degree 
kidnapping charges. Ladies and gentlemen, would you let this guy get within a hundred feet of your child? Not blaming the parents, but man, seriously. Anyway, what happened? So two SWAT teams, one state and one federal, um, raided the property with helicopters and uh, Ross, Mr. Ross is said to have uh, put up a little bit of a struggle. Now, there no mugshot has been released and there's no indication that Ross knew his victim's family. It's alleged that uh, Ross drove up to Santa's parents' home about 4.20 a.m. on Monday and left a ransom note inside the mailbox, which was covered in his DNA and fingerprints. Oh, really? You mean you can find DNA on um, envelopes? Yes, you can, ladies and gentlemen. Fingerprints even as well. Not a very sophisticated criminal at all. Makes you wonder why you can't find fingerprints on a plastic baggie or something like that. I just don't know. When the uh, police raided the home, they found the missing girl. Now, Mr. Ross is not a registered sex offender, but um, nobody knows exactly why he did what he did. Now, early reports suggested that the suspect that was taken into custody uh, was a local uh, sex offender, but that turns out not to be the case. Now, Charlotte was taken to a hospital after being found. She is apparently in good physical health. Hopefully, hopefully nothing happened to this young lady. Um, needless to say, she is going to be suffering trauma uh, for the rest of her life. This trailer was some 13 miles uh, from the family home and there were some 400 uh, people, uh, officers that were searching for her, which included both state, federal, and local officials. Now, it's believed that uh, Charlotte was uh, cycling alone on a loop uh, in this state park near Saratoga Springs when she vanished at about 6.15 on Saturday. She'd been playing with friends throughout the day, but decided to go on a bike ride uh, on her own at the last minute, right before the sun went down. Uh, it should have apparently taken only a few minutes to complete the ride, this little loop. At about 6.30 p.m., her parents realized she hadn't returned and grew quite concerned. By 6.47, they had found Charlotte's bike on the loop and immediately called 911. Uh, obviously, a search uh, was begun. An Amber Alert was issued Sunday morning. Uh, after rangers searched the uh, entire park and found no signs of her whatsoever. So it's nice to have a story where things turn out okay. Yes, like I said, traumatic experience, young lady kidnapped. Hopefully nothing inappropriate happened whatsoever. Hopefully they got the one guy. Hopefully he's the only one that was involved. And uh, obviously uh, if he is kidnapping and uh, sending ransom notes for children, Guess what? He belongs in prison for a long, long time. Given his age, it should be, I don't know, probably for the rest of his life. Just saying. I don't know. Did I sell out as a defense attorney? I don't know. As a member of the community, we want our children to be safe, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, give the man a fair trial. Give him his due process and then convict him. All right. Next, a Tupac update. Now, Suge Knight, who is currently serving a uh, prison sentence and was in the car when uh, Tupac uh, was uh, killed back in uh, 1996, he apparently says he's not going to testify and is of somewhat of the belief or is hinting that maybe the police did not get the correct guy. As we talked about the other day, Dwayne 
Keith D. Davis, who's now 60 years old, was uh, taken into custody last week by the Las Vegas detectives and uh, charged with murder with the use of a deadly weapon. Now, Knight, for those who don't know this, maybe didn't watch straight out of Compton, like I did because I'm, you know, up on current events. Uh, Suge Knight was the Death Row Records co-founder. And like I said, he believes that the police have arrested the wrong man for Tupac's murder and stated that he would not take the stand in court. Well, guess what, old Suge Knight? If you are subpoenaed and brought to court, you must testify. Only if you have a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination could you not testify. But if you refuse to answer the questions, if you have no Fifth Amendment right, you could be held in contempt if you refuse to answer the questions before the court. Yes, that would be direct contempt. Now, on the night when Suge Knight was uh, murdered, he was in a BMW driven by Knight in a convoy of about 10 cars. They were apparently waiting at a red light when a white Cadillac pulled up next to them and the gunfire began. Now, police say that Davis started uh, to devise a plan to kill uh, Tupac and Suge Knight after they attacked his nephew at the Mike Tyson boxing match. Just shows you how old this is. Over 27 years ago, yes, Mike Tyson was still fighting. Anyway, a Nevada grand jury indicted Davis for the killing after being seated for several months, and uh, David was arrested last week at his home. Now, Mr. Davis apparently has spoken quite openly about uh, being at the scene of the drive-by shooting some 27 years ago and admitted handing the murder weapon to a fellow gang member. That, ladies and gentlemen, is complicity. He might as well have done it himself because if he was not the shooter, he is just as responsible as somebody who said, here's the gun, kind of knowing more than likely what was going to take place. More than likely, this will be another case where one, a defendant's own words, comes back and bites them and may actually get them convicted. Hey, we'll give them the presumption of innocence, right? We'll have to wait and see. You hope after 27 years, the police got it correct. And then finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. I don't know what was running through this guy's head, but I like his style. Not that we, we need to drive cars into police stations, but a uh, guy by the name of John Hargraves drove into the Independence Township Police Headquarters on September 20th, and he caused uh, significant damage. Well, guess what he was doing? He was playing loud music. Yes, he was playing Guns and Roses. Welcome to the jungle. Now, Mr. Uh, Hargraves was apparently practicing because the crash into the police department happened just minutes after Hargraves had driven into a garage door of a home in Liberty Township, an act that uh, police and prosecutors say was intended to harass the homeowner who is known to Hargraves. Now, according to police reports, Hargraves was attempting to get revenge on a woman that he claimed had actually hypnotized him. Apparently, he was not happy with the way uh, the, the situation was uh, handled uh, last year. And for some reason, he decided he was going to make an issue of it, apparently. Now, no one was injured in the crash, thank goodness. But the prosecutor's office said in a news release uh, that the officers narrowly escaped being struck. Police say that Mr. Hargraves then admitted to driving through the uh, woman's garage and will eventually uh, face charges for that as well. 
He drove into the police station because it was closest to the home and because he knew he was going to jail anyway. He's been charged with burglary, criminal mischief, and a weapons count in both crashes for the house and the police station. He also faces some counts of uh, terrorism, aggravated assault, and causing widespread injury or damage stemming from the police station crash. Well, Mr. Hargraves, congratulations. You are a dumb criminal of the day. International version, day two. So like I said, we have just left Malaga, Spain, and uh, we are on our way to, I really don't know, but every day is a new adventure here, and it's, well, it's been good. It's been very, very good. Love Europe, love Spain so far, love Portugal. Uh, we're going to uh, France. We're going to Italy as well. Come along for the trip, and uh, we'll see you next time on Crime Talk. <music>